You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You are joined by myself, Lawson, Monica, and Pam. And we are going to do a number of things now. We're going to read text messages. We're going to spend time in the Bible. But before we do those things, we need another clue for the quiz. Yes. What number um, am I? Jacob volunteered to work for this number of years to receive Rachel as his wife. Mm. And then got <laughs> he got done over and had to do another number of years, the same number That's of years. That's right. So, yeah. He had to do double this number. Double, really, yeah. So what number am I? Jacob volunteered to work for this number of years to receive Rachel as his wife. You guys are killing me. I'm just wanting to jump in and just shut this out. <laughs> yeah. there, that, we get Sometimes Lawson does. <laughs> yeah, I, I have given away the quiz before. It's especially difficult when you have those clues that are like, it'll be like the word will be like a blank in a sentence and I'll just yeah. accidentally say yeah. it. Like it'll be a blank in a Bible verse that I already know. Lyle used to sometimes give it away accidentally when it came up later in the Bible study. Like sometimes mm. when the quiz related to the Bible study and he would accidentally say it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Hey, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. We have um, Food is Medicine by Sue Rad is what we are giving away this week. You just have to get into the draw, which is happening to tomorrow so make sure you take your opportunities got a bunch of text messages here this one comes from the beginning of the show Braden writes in uh, what a what a wake-up call always able to make me laugh which color do the Queenslanders wear is it an all black jersey no uh, well don't really care then so Braden <laughs> Braden is a New Zealander and obviously we had the state of origin last night do you know what the state of origin is Pam I am learning what the state of origin is and I'm learning that it is probably larger and more popular than our Super Bowl because it lasts longer. Yeah, it's it's a three-game... Well, I don't think anything's more popular than the Super Bowl, but it's a three-game series. It's actually wildly popular in New Zealand, Tonga, Solomon Islands, um, in Samoa, and where it's especially popular is PNG. Oh, really? Like, I've been told stories of them riding over the over the, oh, wow. over the the state of origin. Like, they're really into it. But the obviously, Queensland versus New South Wales, and New South Wales lost last night. So I'm, I'm very don't sad. Don't worry, Pam. Morning. I don't know anything about it either. Um, we've got a bunch of people answering the quiz correctly. We also have a text message that came in from David Akai. He says, this is, is coming out of... Uh, Western Australia says our pastor looks after two fellowships. Um, I fellowship Clarkson SDA fellowship and online new hope fellowship. So if I won millions, I would tithe Clarkson SDA and new hope SDA and give $15,000 to Adra and $15,000 to the Aussie pastor, which is none other than uh, Lloyd Grolman, who you know is presenting here on faith of M then pay my kids mortgages off and contribute funds to all my sister in laws. (laughs) Man, this, this person is, is playing the charity game. We're We're talking about, in Monica's new section, what if you, you came if to a lot of money, what would mm-hmm. you do? And um, my answer was, you know, give it all to the Maitland Church Roof Fund. Uh, <laughs> I could probably get like a roof made of gold. With the yeah. <laughs> but hey, David, just let you know, I used to attend Clarkson uh, SDA there in Western Australia back in the day when I was living in WA. Um, say hi to the Bogdanovs for me if they're still there. Uh, I, I imagine they, they would be, but great church. I've been to lots of weddings that have happened at Clarkson Church. Yeah, great place, that one. Mm. Uh, you missed a text there from Braden. He said, I don't know about stoning. I think guillotine would, uh, I would think that would be less painful and swifter. But the thing is, with biblical stoning, you had to die on the first rock, right? And if you didn't, then you were allowed to 
that to live. Oh, I I'm didn't pretty know sure that was that. the caveat. Like if you got stoned, oh, that's interesting. The I first stone had no, to but kill you. No, but this is because there's a couple of different types of stoning. Oh, right. So there's a stoning, a version of stoning where you go to a cliff, they put you at the bottom of the cliff, and then they drop a rock on you. And, and oh. that's what does you in, like, first go. Okay, Brayden, maybe you're but right. The guillotine would be better. The type of stoning that Stephen received was that of he stood in the middle of a crowd where they threw rocks at him, which is the awful... That's like, you know, would you rather die from ants or a lion? And that's the ants. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Um, and by the way... Every single person who's made a guess on our quiz has gotten it correct. Yeah. I'm like yesterday. Great People were struggling. Yeah, last morning yesterday. It was, it was a bit <laughs> tough. But you know, the old the old Malchus. Um, but this morning you guys are you guys are getting in with correct answers and you'll go into the drawer to win our amazing book. Hey, I also wanted to talk about uh, here on Faith FM, we are promoting the Sabbath gift. Oh, yeah. This whole month of June, we are talking about the Sabbath gift. And we're going to touch on that a little bit today in our Bible study. But there is a number of things that we are doing. So the Sabbath gift is... Uh, just uh, it's it's a gift that actually we want to give you, but it's also just a concept. We want to take this month to be appreciative for the time that we get to spend with God mm. once a week to rest in Him um, and to find rest. You know, following Him from our days, from our labors, the rest that He's wanting to give us. So we want to be able to to speak about that, to have programming revolving around that. But also, we have for the month of June to plug the offer of. The book, The Sabbath Gift, which has been written. It's an amazing, awesome resource. And you can get, you just have to text us a code word for this whole month. And that code word is Sabbath. So if you text us that code word, you will be able to receive The Sabbath Gift, which is an amazing book, an awesome resource for you to read, to understand better what the Sabbath is, why it's important, and how it can bless your Life. And keep your ears unplugged for all the different uh, uh, Sabbath uh, little spotlights that will be airing on mm. Faith FM. I'm actually really excited to hear them myself. I can't wait to hear yeah. what's been done. But, yeah, you can actually go to sabbathgift.info for more info about this. So, yeah, check it out. I think I love that you guys are doing this because I, I was just asking, you know, what do you do on Sabbath? I'm like, what do you mean? This mm. is amazing. I just love, I love yeah. this because... I don't have to do anything. Oh, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to be responsible for me. And this is so fun. You are preaching to the choir this morning, Pam, because I know I, I love uh, when we had, when we've had Laugh Southwell in here talking about the Sabbath. And it's like, you know, people complain that the Sabbath is somehow legalistic, yet God is trying to give you a day off once a week. Like, God's like, hey, have a public holiday once a week. God is like, hey, do you want to do nothing exactly. for, for, for one whole day a week? Do you just want to like rest in Jesus and, and get together with your church family once a week and, and do it for free. Like, you don't even have to go to work before or after or study before or after and whatnot. You know, I, ha- I had some Sunday Christian friends and, well, Christians who go to church on Sunday. And, uh, and you know, their kind of perspective of going to church was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd study before and then I'd go to church and then I'd come home and, and study or go to work after, something like that. But for, for myself, it's like, get to just keep the whole day. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can go for a walk. You don't have to worry about what your next schedule and your next appointment is. You can go visit with somebody. You don't have to worry about how long you get to spend with them. You, you know, you, you just can go take a nap and don't worry about having to wake up at a certain time. Whatever. It's amazing. It's Part time of this actual, this uh, June Sabbath challenge, they're actually having um, called the Sabbath challenge. And we're inviting listeners to experience the Sabbath for four weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And then we're actually inviting listeners to share um, their experience, their journey on our show. So you can mm-hmm. actually... 
Check out the Sabbath, experience it for yourself, and then let us know what you thought. Uh, we will air that on our on one of our programs here on Faith FM. So yeah, get into the Sabbath challenge, folks, for the mm. month of June. Check it out. Absolutely. Hey, so if you have any thoughts, if you have anything to share, or you want to claim that gift, 0491-064-669, that code word is Sabbath. We're going to be promoting this right throughout June, our, our Sabbath gift month. But hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And as always, when we come into the second hour of our show, we've got to get into a Bible study. So we're going to go straight away, Revelation 14, where we've been spending the majority of our time. And we're going to pick it up in verse 8. So if you guys can crack open the Bibles, I can see Pam. We've got big old study Bible there, She's ready to serious, go. Man. She's okay. not messing around. Revelation chapter 14. And do you want to read for us verse 8, Pam? Sure, it says, and another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay, so yesterday we were talking all about Babylon, and we were considering, you know, what Babylon is and what it's doing, and we looked at the history of Babylon and found that the thing that really marks Babylon as Babylon, well, the word Babylon means confusion. It's a city of confusion. And the way that is a reference all the way back to the Tower of Babel in which the languages were confused. But Babylon was really, in the ancient world, um, a hub and a founding home of paganism. When, the paganism that we see throughout um, the Bible that pops up, whether it's Assyrian Baal worship or whether it's, you know, the Egyptian paganism that they were met in, during the time of the Exodus or, or well, particularly with Baal worship that they that the Israelites continually fell into um, as a result of their, you know, kind of spending time with other nations and participating in that kind of worship with the other nations around them. That just completely has its foundations within Babylon. Babylon is really the birthplace of what we understand of Near Eastern paganism and, you know, sun worship and what comes along with that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. But that home of sun worship and idols and all these things it ultimately alludes to babylon's greatest sin which is idolatry putting things before god which is obviously a problem we talked about this yesterday on the show but pam what do you think why do you think it's a problem to put things before god oh man where do i where do i start with that (laughs) yeah i just uh, even on my drive this morning i was just looking at the the sunrise coming up and realizing just god is so amazing and the things that i know i don't really understand Mm. you know god created everything Mm -hmm. god knows how we work god knows my heart even Mm -hmm. better than i do and so when i'm going to put things before god then then i'm actually depending on me and my own Mm. understanding and i'm limiting myself why would i do that yeah absolutely and i love that too you saw the beautiful sunrise right were you compelled then to worship the sunrise or to worship the God who created it. Worship the God that created Amen. it. Because what does that sunrise do for me? But just it's eye candy. 
Yeah. A- apart from, you know, taking also, the creator out. I can't do that. But absolutely. The one that actually formed that sunrise and put it there for me to be able to behold and see. Wow. It's like evidence of him. Yeah. Why would you worship the evidence? It's, I, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I want us to pick up a verse that we read yesterday. Uh, Monica, could you get for us Romans chapter 1 and verse 25? Because it kind of shows us the, the extent of why paganism and why idolatry is so ridiculous. So Romans chapter 1 and verse 25, you can get that for us, Monica. I'm reading from the NKJV, and it says, Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Yeah, so this is the the heart of the problem right here, the creature versus the creator, that they're worshipping, yeah, creature rather than the one who made it, the creation rather than the one who made it, the sun, moon, and the stars rather than the God that formed its boundaries. Like, And we sit here as Christians, we're like, oh, man, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yet we still are tempted, though not through the means of you know Babylonian paganism or sun worship, we still end up putting things before God as if they can help us more, whether it's money, work, job, um, you know, status, fame, um, yeah, standing, like we put so many things before God rather than going to the one who created those things and, and you know, outlines the boundaries for those things. So, And the reason that we talked about yesterday, the, the reason I believe that people do that is because none of those things are asking for repentance. Mm. The sun isn't asking for repentance. The sun was in the era, the era of Babylonian paganism was asking for appeasement. It was asking for, hey, come and give all your barrels of oil, sacrifice your son, sacrifice, you know, 35 cows, whatever. But it wasn't asking you to change. Whereas God, he's asking for change, but then also giving us the power to be able to make that change stick. And the benefits for those changes as well. Absolutely. And what I hear you saying then is that it's easier for us to give sacrifice, to sacrifice something. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we think, oh, I want to give to the needy. But what's the first thing we do? We go through our closet and we pick out all the clothes that we don't wear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We don't pick out the things that we love, but we pick out the things we don't wear rather than being willing to become a different person. And, you know, I find in myself, I can't become that different person. So that's very intimidating. Absolutely. How does that happen? But God says, just trust me, Mm. be willing. That's all I want you to do is be willing. And we talked yesterday, God's promise in Hebrews 8, the covenant that Mm. he will write the laws in our hearts and on our minds. We have a decision to participate in. We have the decision to be justified. God has lived and died and resurrected so that he has offered us salvation. And we, in a moment, can receive it by saying, Jesus, I would like to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. But then it's that continual decision to follow Jesus that then leads to our sanctification when God works in our heart. Now, I talked a little bit about this yesterday, giving some historical context. We're not talking about Pelagianism here, which was the fourth century Pelagius. He's like, no, we haven't been tainted by sin. You can make the decision to overcome your sin today. No, the only ability that we have to overcome sin is given by God through the power of his Holy Spirit. So that's where we're at. We're like, okay, we need God to help us to overcome. Um, But we need to overcome because we realize so clearly and entirely that, oh, idolatry has existed throughout the entire history of the church and right up to the end of time. Again, the three angels' messages we've been talking about, it's God's last message for the church. And it says Babylon has fallen, has fallen, and we've done some work to identify who that is. No, it's not talking about uh, some city in Iraq. 
but rather a power and institution that is standing up wholesale against the worship of God in 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 op- opposition to God to try and get people to worship itself. You know, something this might be a little bit off topic, but I, I, I in my mind it works. So mm. correct me if go I go off. Um, <laughs> We're here for it, Pam. So when I read in Daniel chapter two, mm-hmm. uh, I read about this image, you know, of the dream that the king King Nebuchadnezzar had. Absolutely. You know, and, and it talks about how Babylon. Would, and we, we see this in, in actual history, in our history mm. books, that Babylon was defeated by mm. the Persians, and mm. the Persians were overcome by the Greeks, mm-hmm. and the Greeks were invaded by the Romans, mm-hmm. and, then, and, then, and then the Roman Empire divided up into what we know the world to be today. Yeah. But in reality, what you see, and, and as, we, as I read further, and I, and I imagine this in my mind, so when the Persians took over the Babylonians, they took in Babylonian customs. Mm. And when the Greeks invaded the Persians, then they also, the Babylonian and the Persian Absolutely. customs became part of their customs. And the same happened with Rome, and there it is today. So even even literally, mm. when you think about, oh, Babylon has fallen, literally Babylon is all over the world. That's right. Their customs, their ideals, their idol worship, mm. everything is all over the world. I love that too. I, I From every perspective, from a religious perspective, so what we understand, you know, idolatry to be, um, that even takes place here within, you know, Christianity, um, it's spiritualism as well, but also even from a political perspective, as mm. you said, you know, Babylon being one of the, there have been many world empires, there, there had been many empires before Babylon, but that Neo-Babylonian Empire that rose up, and we're going to be talking about it very soon, um, that the Neo-Babylonian Empire that rose up in 606 AD was one of the biggest, greatest empires that the world had ever seen and had such a... Because its ideal was globalism. It was like, hey, we want to expand. We want to license these countries around us. And and that... that uh, model was every single empire that succeeded at Medo, Persia, Greece, and Rome used that same Babylonian model of world conquering domination, um, in cultural influence, religious influence. Like it all stems from Babylon originally. And even think about the original, the original Babylon, the Tower of Babel, its whole point was to gather all the people together in rebellion against God. And so we've seen that r- happen right throughout history. Uh, and then coming even into today and talking about this prophecy, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And then we look at Revelation 17. Oh, what is Babylon? It's this group that is connected to the entirety of the world. It's represented in Revelation 17 as a woman, which we know is a representation of a of a religious institution. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, this religious institution that has reach and power over the whole world to infect it and to influence it with its ideals. And, yeah, absolutely. right. I love that point, Pam. Right throughout history, we have seen Babylon working in every single space of society. But... What I want to have a look at and observe today is a particular instance where Babylon, the Neo-Babylonian Empire of the the 6th century BC, and Jerusalem came into conflict. And the reason that conflict was allowed to happen by God was actually because of the unfaithfulness of Israel. So we're going to pick it up. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 20. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 20. We're going to be spending some time in there, just making some observations um, let's begin, uh, if we go to Ezekiel 20 and Pam, can you pick us up in verse one? And I'll tell you to stop reading when, when we're, when we're ready to stop. So 
Ezekiel 20, starting in verse 1. Ezekiel 20 and verse 1 says, and again from the the, uh, New King James Version, it came to pass in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, says the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Then make known to them the abominations of their fathers. Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath to the descendants of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt, I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. Mm. On that day, I raised my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Then I said to them, each of you throw away the abominations which are before um, his eyes and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not obey me. They did not cast away. They did not all cast away the abominations which were before their eyes, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury on them and fulfill my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for my namesake that it should not be profound before the Gentiles among whom they were, in whose sight I had made myself known to them to bring them out of the land of Egypt. All right, we'll stop there. We've got a bit more to read, but we can see this dilemma that God is outlining to Ezekiel here. He's like, I selected Israel. I brought them out of Egypt. I gave them everything they could possibly want, yet they turned against me. Um, And then even in spite of them turning against me, I was merciful to them. I showed them my great power. I said, hey, will will this change anything? And it still did not. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we are going to have a final clue for the quiz. What number am I? The number of days Israel marched around the walls of Jericho. Okay, if you know favorite the- stories as a kid, just love this story. Uh, still love, what am I talking about? I still love this story. I feel like if I was a parent, this would be the perfect story to get your kids motivated to go walking. Yeah, we'll wear them out you before know, bedtime. That's right. Let's so, reenact Jericho. All right. March around the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, go into the draw for food as medicine, which is being drawn tomorrow. So, mate, make sure you get in. The, we're having penultimate opportunities here. So, get in for that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Hey, we just got a text message come through from Braden. He says... Pam almost sounds like uh, the person that reads, that used to read Bible story stories via cassette tape to me when I was a kid. Brings back childhood memories. I I love your accent, Pam, especially because oh, you do this thing where 
I think I think it's a very it's a very southern thing. So so the difference between an Australian accent and an American accent is there's, there's many of them, but one of the chief differences is that we don't enunciate ours at the end of words. So um, where an American would say there, we just say there. Mm-hmm. But I've heard you say a few words, and it, it just like it it takes me back to watching like Western movies or something. <laughs> and and you, the way you'll say words that have R on the end, in it's just it, it'll almost like you'll replace it with a h and oh, it just it's just, I, I just love it i just love it so much we we have real diversity on the show today so that's that's <laughs> awesome a diverse cast of voices and speaking of a diverse cast of voices that we've we now have to benefit from i need you to keep reading that story for us pam so we've seen so far we've gotten to the point ezekiel is being communicated to by god and god is like look i've done everything for these people that they would know that i'm the one true god yet they haven't given up their idols now we're going to See where that has led to. So pick it up in verse 10. Okay, so verse 10 says, Therefore I made them go out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. But I acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profaned before the Gentiles, in whose sight I had brought them out. So I also raised my hand in an oath to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them flowing with milk and honey, the glory of all lands. Because they despised my judgments and did not walk in my statutes, but profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols." Nevertheless, my eye spared for them from excuse me. <laughs> Nevertheless, my eye spared them from destruction. I did not make an end of them in the wilderness. But I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes. Keep my judgments and do them. Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you, Mm. that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Awesome. So we have God here recounting Israel's history and just going over like, this is all that I've done for you and all I'm asking for you to keep as a sign between me and you. That will be a sign to the Gentiles, which we see from the very beginning, you know, that the exclusionary Israel or the, the exclusionary Judea that we meet in Jesus's time was not God's ideal at all. It, but up until that point, he's, and in all of his commandments, like particularly in the Sabbath commandment, he says, and the stranger within your gates, you know, I want to keep the Sabbath. God had this plan that through Israel, there would be a light to the world and people would be drawn to the worship of God through then. Yet the people who are supposed to be a light to the world and draw others to the worship of God just spent all their time breaking God's law, 
worshipping idols, you know, and not hallowing his Sabbaths. Now, it uses the word there, Sabbaths, as a plural, right? Mm. And this is a reference back to, you know, Leviticus 23. In Leviticus 23, it outlines all of the different holy days within Israel, of which it calls all of them Sabbaths. But then if you if you look in Leviticus 23, you know, you've got the Passover, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, um, the Offering of the First Fruits, the Festival of Weeks. It calls every single holy day was referred to as a Sabbath. But then in the first couple of verses of, of verse chapter 23, you know, it, it gives explanation to all of these all of these different festivals as to why they're doing and why it's happening. But the Sabbath, it just says this. It just says, there are six days that a man may work, but the seventh is the Sabbath day of rest. It's sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is the Sabbath to the Lord. It's very different from the rest of the Sabbath's giving because they all have a specific purpose that has to do with Israelite history. Whereas the Sabbath, God doesn't need to explain himself further as to what the Sabbath is because he's already defined it at creation, to Moses, like they already know, okay, well, there's this eternal, you know, seventh day Sabbath of rest that already exists. But God is saying here, you know, that Sabbath and including the rest of the Sabbath that I've given you to show the people who you are, you've profaned all of them uh, and you and you haven't kept them. You know, I, I, when I've read through this, I look at verse 3 that actually talks about the Sabbath, and he calls mm. it a rest, a solemn mm. rest and a holy convocation. And as you look over the rest of these feasts, and even though he does call them Sabbaths, it's, he also calls them holy convocations. And it's almost like he's, he's, he's set the Sabbath up to be that, that, um, I don't want to say the example of what mm. the other quote-unquote Sabbaths or feasts should look like. They should all look like this. When you're mm. keeping them, this is what they should look like. Mm. So it's not like the Sabbath is one of these feasts. It is the pinnacle of all of them. It is yeah. the one there to look to to know how to perform these feasts. It is the it is the preemptive religious ceremony that we would contend existed all the way before time and all the way after time. Yes. And the Bible makes that absolutely clear. From yeah, Isaiah 66, from Sabbath to Sabbath, you know, mm. we will meet and and have assembly. But also, okay, we're talking about Ezekiel, right? So God is is giving this, you know, big outlining to them. And and he would later in the book of Ezekiel, um, he would later in the book of Ezekiel give, you know, some judgment in regards to the Sabbath. But I think the Jeremiah account makes it even more succinct. In Jeremiah ch- uh, chapter 17 and verse 27, the Bible says this. It says, but if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. This is a reference to, so Ezekiel and Jeremiah are both being written um, both before and during the period of the Babylonian exile and destruction of Jerusalem. God is saying here, Hey, you know, he's outlined in Ezekiel, guys, come on. Like, really, I've shown such faithfulness to you, and these Sabbaths are assigned to you. But then in Jeremiah, he says, no, it's specifically because of your profaning of the Sabbath day, your idolatry in relationship to this, that it, you are going to be destroyed. I like I like that I like that that you'll be destroyed mm-hmm. um, um, because like you're saying it's it's like the Sabbath is is God's promise this is mm-hmm. my constant sign that I am always with you absolutely always and you are rejecting me absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show, and we've come to the time where we've got no more clues to give. Just got, time for some answers. We've just got the answers, man. You know it. What number am I? I was the... Do you want to say it, Pam? Oh, it's the number seven. Yeah, she's been, she's been chomping at the bit to get that one out. <laughs> so uh, it's the seventh chapter in Acts that records Stephen's death by stoning. Uh, Proverbs says that a righteous man might fall seven times, but he rises again. Uh, what was that dude's name? Skeever? Skeever. Skeever had seven sons that were attacked by a demon when they tried to cast it out. Jacob volunteered to work for seven years to receive Rachel as his wife and then had to do it again because he got Leah as a little, what do I call that thing when they switcheroo? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was seven days that Israel marched around the walls of Jericho. How many times did they march? Was it just once a day? I think so. Once a day until the seventh day, and then it was seven times on the seventh day. That's right. I knew there was one day when they did it seven times. So, yes. And the walls fell over. And then the walls fall down. Yeah, absolutely. They got on their trumpets and went, and then the walls toppled down. Of course, we've been talking about the Sabbath. We've been talking about the seventh day, and I've been thinking about it. So, we've been, all these clues have to do with the number seven. Now, the number seven in the Bible, in terms of biblical numerology, uh, which is a topic that I don't get into too much because I feel like it's a big rabbit hole and some people mm-hmm. get a bit lost in it. But in terms of biblical numerology, it's really obvious that the number seven is a number that represents God, it represents righteousness, it represents holiness. Okay, so why then? Would God's day of worship be any other day than the seventh day? Why would we put it on the first day? Why would we put it on the second day or the third day or the fourth day or the fifth day? Well, obviously, you could say, and I think some people make unnecessarily unnecessary links in numerology. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, um, Solomon had 666 gold coins in his uh, in his um, treasury. Therefore, Solomon was actually, this is when he was being influenced by the devil because of his money. And it's like, no, 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 it's just... It's just, it's just that amount of money. You know, it's 666 only has its demon, devil, you know, pop culture application right at the end of the Bible. Like, it's Revelation 13. That's the only place in the Bible that talks about 666. But the seventh day, right throughout the Bible, is this number of holiness. And again, I'm not making this over-the-top numero- numerological connection to say, oh, it has to be the Sabbath because the seventh day is... But no, God just told us from the beginning, hey, the seventh day is a holy day that's been set apart for the worship of me. How could that holy day be any other day? Even if Jesus rose on the first day, he still rested on the Sabbath, right? He was in the grave, well asleep in the in the rest of death. And then, you know, got back to work again on the first day. He rose up and, um, and started to... And, you know, started had some brief time on this earth before then going back to heaven and, and doing the work of atonement. So absolutely, I'm, I'm just fully convinced. I'm like, the Bible, it's obviously the seventh day. It's obviously the seventh day. But, you know, we think of, of 10 as being the number of wholeness, you know, like to do everything in tens and hundreds and whatever. Yeah. But actually the, the week ended on the seventh day. So mm. that's a whole week. That's wholeness, right? Mm. And then it starts all over with one. So maybe it's seven that's the number of wholeness and completeness absolutely at least yeah from a biblical perspective yeah. i know it's it's quite easily easy to calculate things in tens but yeah, yeah. from the shout bibli- out the metric system yeah 
How do you feel about the metric system, Pam? I'm still learning it. Uh, I like it. Sometimes I forget it's as easy as it is, you know, because I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to, to equate it to, oh, how much is a meter? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's about a yard. Oh, and a yard is about 36 inches, but how much is a meter? And it's like, <laughs> oh, wait, it's, it's all just, in tens. It's this just 100 is easy. centimeters. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is easy. <laughs> That's awesome. But, yeah, no, we have this amazing time that God has given us on the seventh day, which is a Saturday, and we know that it's a Saturday. There is no point in history in which it could have been changed because the only reason we have a seventh-day week is because of the Bible. That's that's an amazing um, point of just evidence for the Bible. Literally every single society in the earth pre-globalization kept a seventh-day week. And it's like, well, why did they do that? Well, there's no, it has nothing to do with the sun, the moon, the this rotation of the earth, all to do with well, its origin originally in the Bible. So, And amazingly, it shows us then, okay, well, what do we do on Sabbath day? What do we do on the seventh day? Well, we have a time to worship God, not to profane him, not to put anything else before him, but to spend time following him and resting in him so that he can bless us and lead us and guide us as he has promised. Breakfast show here on Faith FM. You are joined by the three of us, the three musketeers, myself, Lawson, we've got Monica and Pam. But we've come to the end of the show. There's nothing left to say. So, guys, have a fantastic day. Live a life following Jesus. And remember to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.